ready. will ever be. Okay. Yeah, sure, you betcha. Did I make sure to That's change? A, Hold on a, a second. Light? Yes. No, there's a switch on the back of whether it records from just the front or the front and the back. Ah. Because that's a fancy microphone. Ah. Very not that fancy. Anyways, hi everyone. I'm Dan. I'm Patrick. I'm Carrie. Grandpa. And welcome to the 1997 Academy Awards. It keeps happening. Uh, this is If I Ran the Oscars, our podcast where we look at one movie from each year they were on TV. We take a look at what it won for and three other categories chosen at random as well. This year, our... Best picture was The English Patient, and we did not roll that one. We, in fact, rolled possibly the only movie in the history of the Academy Awards that we would possibly have to examine that would really hit us close to home. Mm. Oh, for crying out loud. (laughs) They didn't say that. They said for Pete's sake, right at the end. But I had to say for crying out loud. The movie is... Yeah, sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. The movie's called Fargo, and we will spare your delicate ears by not... Forcing a bad Minnesotan accent on you for the entire film. Oh, don't you know. No. However, they did to us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They did do that. They did do that. Uh, Academy Award fact from the year, in fact, involves this film. Francis McDormand, first person to win for a role in a film directed by their spouse. All those other times that people were in movies because mm-hmm. their spouse was making it, none of them ever won. Okay, who is Francis McDormand? She's the uh, cop. Oh, Oh. She's, the, she's the one who got Best Supporting Actress for this movie. I didn't know she was a spouse. Yep, since 1984. Of, of one of the Coens? Yep. They, they were. They had been married for 12 years, and they are still married. Huh. I, so is, is she really... She's not really from Minnesota. No, she's not. No, her accent was too forced. No. Uh, the other fact is Samuel Zantz had won his third Best Picture. Uh, he also directed One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Amadeus. And then the English patient this year. So, good for him. But we are talking about a movie by the Coen brothers. We're talking about Minnesota jokes. Which fall flat on us. I'm not. No. (laughs) For us, it really wasn't that funny. This was a movie made to make fun of Minnesota, not to be a story that happened to be in Minnesota. The point of this movie was... Everyone's so nice in Minnesota, so we're going to make murder happen. That was the joke. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen the movie. And what ended up happening is people from Minnesota, like us, thought that, well, they're just making fun of us. Yeah, for us, it's not really that funny. Yeah. I I fairly recently uh, watched a TV show called Infinity Train, which you probably won't... None of the other people here would probably appreciate the breadth of that show. But it's made by another person from Minnesota. This guy was born in Lake Elmo. And it has references to Minnesota, but it doesn't make fun of Minnesota. The best one is uh, in Eric the Bike Man uh, reference where there's a commercial that comes on about uh, like uh, Sam the Bike Guy. <laughs> sure, sure. But this one, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 sure. Sorry. Oh, geez, then. So, we're not going to be critiquing much of the film's overall story or way that it tells the jokes. It's going to be who's in it, and where did they film, and have we been there? (laughs) So, we're going to start a little bit with, just a little bit with the Coen brothers, because this wasn't their first major film. Their first one was Raising Arizona in 1987. Uh, They would then go on to do, after this, The Big Lebowski... 
No Country for Old Men, True Grit, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which I almost decided that we should watch for our Liam Neeson podcast, because oh. he's in one part of that movie, and that's like a like seven small stories in it, and he's in oh. one of them. But uh, those guys were born in St. Louis Park and went to high school there. Which is a suburb of Minneapolis. Yep. Uh, that's where I had my oboe lessons. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they write screenplays, they will share editing credits under the alias Roderick James. Mm-hmm. And in fact, thought about hiring someone to play Roderick James at this, apparently this Oscar is just in case they won. So somebody would actually go on stage. Oh. The Academy said, don't do that. And also they didn't win that category. Our first person to be in it, uh, Frances McDormand, who has been in a few things. She's got Tony's Emmys and Academy Awards. Oh. The Triple Crown of Acting. No Grammys, so no EGOT for her. Yeah. But she does have Golden Globes and BAFTAs and SAGs. <laughs> uh, and fairly recently was in the 2011 Transformers and Madagascar 3. And even more recently, uh, her latest Academy well, no, her latest Academy Award was for Nomadland. But she was in three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which I've heard very good things about. Hmm. I don't know. But that's another, like, very few characters, narrative-driven, good story, is what I hear. Hmm. It's Supposedly, similar to this in the narrative-driven few characters thing. It's noteworthy that she was in Raising Arizona. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, she was with a Cohen at that time, so. But, no, she, I honestly didn't realize just how darn many things she had done. She's been, yeah, basically, she's been acting since the 80s, and Still acts to this day. Her third Academy Award was 2020. Oh. Uh, she's the first person to win an Academy Award for producing and performing the same movie. And that was Nomadland in 2020. It was the oh. first time anyone had done it. Uh, second woman to win Best Actress three times. Seventh over performer overall to win three at, uh, competitive acting Academy Awards. Yeah. Oh. And she's not that big of a name. I no, mean, she's, she's not. not big name like Meryl Streep. No, or she's just Sally Field. Quietly good at her job. I think she would go on your list. Eh? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, moving on to people who you don't see as often: William Paul Macy Jr., William H. Macy, because he basically builds his career on indie films. He has a few big movies here and there, but he does mostly smaller stuff. He describes himself as a sort of middle American, waspy, Lutheran kind of guy. You mean okay. personally? Yes. Uh, Did you say raunchy? Waspy. White, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant. Yes. Wasp. Which is interesting to go waspy, Lutheran. <laughs> That's the Department of Redundancy Department. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he has one Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor for Fargo. Huh. Yeah, he's been working a long time. Oh, yeah. He started in TV in 1964. Yeah, uh, he was in War Games. Yeah, we've seen him in things. I don't know where he was in War Games. He was a no, he was an uncredited guy. Uncredited, one of the nerds in the control room or something. Yeah, I suppose one of the extras. Yep, but like he was in Air Force One. That that's probably the first major movie I remember yep. him in. Yep. Psycho, Jurassic Park Three. Yeah. Yeah. No, lots of stuff. Steve Buscemi. Buscemi, according Buscemi. to according to Wikipedia, it is Buscemi. He's also been in a few things. I uh, I think the first movie I definitely would recognize him from is Armageddon. 
I don't know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. He was in there. Yep. But he was also in Reservoir Dogs, which Quentin Tarantino. That'll be uh, a... Too Mom, bloody Mom won't know that one, but that'll be a big deal. Too bloody for He was also in Big Lebowski. Uh, more recently, he was on the TV show Boardwalk Empire on HBO. That ran 2010 mm-hmm. to 2014. Uh, that's got him two SAGs, a Golden Globe, and two Emmy nominations. And I think he's done a bunch of voice acting, too. Uh, he has, in fact... He's Randall, the bad guy in Monsters, Inc. Mm-hmm. And isn't he, uh, he's in, um, Lion King, isn't he? I don't think he's in Lion King. What, what character do you think he is in Lion King? Um, I thought he was one of the hyenas or he something. He might be one of the, one of the hyenas is Whoopi Goldberg. They could I be know anywhere. that. And one of the hyenas is Cheech. <laughs> I don't know who the third one is. Uh, he was in uh, Spy Kids 2 and 3. He's in... The 2006 Char- Charlotte's Web. He's done a lot of stuff. He a, has a surprisingly large range. Mm-hmm. And I think the only thing that holds him back is the fact that he's got wide eyes. Mm-hmm. And that just, no matter how good of an actor he is, that's he always going to just discount him from a lot of roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that maybe that's why he does so much voice acting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Peter Stormare, I, one that I didn't recognize him by name. I recognized him by face as soon as I mm-hmm. saw his Wikipedia. Because uh, he's the other criminal guy. Mm-hmm. But did you did you see the volume of his work? Oh, he's done a ton Holy of stuff. Holy cow, he's been busy. Well, he's a very good bad guy. He plays an excellent, slightly unsettling bad guy. Like, it's not quite to the, he looks like the kind of person that wants to lick the back of your head. Like, actually Creepy. makes you uncomfortable. But he's just uh, he's just a little... Like he was in this movie. He's just, for most of the movie, he was just, oh man, he's a bad guy. How can you tell? He's a bad guy. But if you look at him in the, in the, his, his headshot. He looks like a nice guy. He looks yeah. like a really nice guy. Oh yeah, because you, you, you dress up for the headshots. <laughs> well, that's because in this movie, they Oddly, dyed his hair like overly yeah. blonde. So that just looked, uh, that made him look like a bad guy. After this movie, he went on to start a band called Blonde from Fargo. Oh dear. <laughs> But uh, he's also in Big Lebowski. He's also in Armageddon. Minority Report, Bad Boys 2, 22, Jump Street, multiple video games, Jurassic Park, Lost World. Oh, dear. No, he's in a lot of stuff, too. This was the the few people they had to get to be their main actors. They did a pretty good job of. Mm-hmm. Now, the one that I definitely had no idea who this was was Harv Presnell, who plays uh, Stan, the dad, the no, grandpa no. dad. No, that was Mr. Gustafson. Mr. Gustafson. Stan Stan, is the accountant. Accountant. Yeah. In any case, he was an opera baritone in the 50s Hmm. and had been in movies in the 60s. But he got to the 70s and he just... Was out of work. Wasn't in movies. He did did musical theater and Broadway stuff. What's his name again? Harv Presnell. George Harvey Presnell. Spell, please. P-R-E. P-R-E-S-N-E-L-L. No, uh, he, he was uh, he was Preston Blake, Mr. Deeds. <laughs> this guy, weird little thing. Basically, he had a stage name. I don't know if he had a stage name. I doesn't or say a he did. Name. Doesn't say. But this was his resurgence back into film because after this he was in Saving Private Ryan, which is not a small movie. Oh yeah. And then he was in Flags of Our Fathers in 2006. He died in 20, 2009. Huh. But. I mean, this is another guy that we probably would never would have talked about because right, right, right. his movies just would have gone past us. 
and the cameo, the good cameo, because in 2015 it became relevant because mm-hmm. they made a Fargo TV show. And in the Fargo TV show, Bruce Campbell plays Ronald Reagan. Okay. What's he, Reagan got to do with Well, Fargo? it's not because of Reagan, it's because of Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell is most well known for the Evil Dead zombie movie. Evil Dead zombie. Well, it's Evil Dead, and there are movies about zombies. Oh. Uh, and more recently, as a sort of joke that he is very cool and is gets into things on the fact that his name is Bruce Campbell and he's cool. And it sort of builds on itself. And but, that's way over my pay grade. But in this movie, in The Cabin... They're watching them. They're watching the soap, the, opera? the soap opera, which was a not picked up soap opera called Generations, starring Bruce Campbell. Oh, and so he's in this movie in something previously filmed. They did not film it for this movie. Funny. But that's that's truly trivial. Yeah, truly trivial. But yeah, you know, you got to have little things like that. Now, are you done talking about the people? I'm done. I'm done talking about the people. We can talk about the places. Well, I, I just have to say on this podcast, yes. That as a person who's not only been to Fargo, you were born, lived in Fargo, born in Fargo, born in Fargo, <laughs> frozen in Fargo, frozen in Fargo. Uncle did a lot of stuff in Fargo. My my brother, my brother John, also born in Fargo. Um, this movie didn't take place in Fargo. It really didn't take place in Fargo. The first scene was in Fargo, that's and not it. filmed there. And that's it. <laughs> and so it's a. a, a and I think that because we do live here in Minnesota, don't you know? Yeah. Um, that I think it was, it. I never had watched the whole film, probably because I knew in my heart that it was just going to be bad jokes and one-liners and a poor accent. Yep. And so, I, th- I think the movie, uh, I, I think I was correct. So the scenes filmed where it's very snowy were in and around Pemina. Oh, that's well. That's North Dakota. That's up yes, the border. Yes, but it's way up north. Oh, that's well. It's the Canadian border. Yes, mm-hmm. because when they were filming, it wasn't terribly snowy in the Twin Cities. Sure. So when they needed to film outdoors snow stuff, they went way north to some place where it's flat. Yes. You. One of your brothers worked at Pemina. Yes. So let's start here because you mentioned the King of Clubs and you had been there. Uh huh. That's. That's in, in northeast. northeast Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. It is now low-income housing. No, what? Low-income housing. It's not there anymore. <laughs> Gustafson's auto dealership was Wally McCarthy Oldsmobile. On Highway 12. In Richfield. Oh, in Richfield. In Richfield. Oh. A place I have technically been to because it's not mm-hmm. there anymore. Oh, yeah. Name, I was, I was just in Richfield this last name week. Name an important building in Richfield. I mean... Other than Best Buy? It's Best Ed, Buy. Best, Best Buy. That's uh, where Best Buy headquarters is. Yes. Now. Oh, funny. Uh, the 24-foot Paul Bunyan statue for... Uh, Brainerd. That's not real. Brainerd was filmed in North Dakota and isn't real mm-hmm. and was never in Brainerd. Yeah. Uh, the Blue Ox... Motel. Wasn't, isn't called the Blue Ox. It's Stockman's Truck Stop in South St. Paul. Mm. And... As of the writing of this, yeah. still in business. Embers, which is the restaurant where Jerry is discussing the ransom, uh-huh. is in St. Louis Park. It's yeah. now a medical outpatient yeah, center. Say, Embers is one, huh? Yeah. Hey, there's Grandpa's got one. All right, we're all on the board. 
I, the Lakeside Club. That was really familiar. Oh, you know, I know why. Because it's in Matamidai. Because it was in Matamidai. It's <laughs> yeah. not there anymore. Yeah. Okay, we're all on the board now. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> that, Back that... on Old Wildwood? Yeah. yeah. Yeah? Like, the building was so familiar, I thought, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay. All right. Pretty funny. The Moose Lake Hideout is not near Moose Lake. Right. It's mm-hmm. obviously no near a lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's near Square Lake. <gasps> Out here by us. Near May, Minnesota. Which is by Stillwater. Well, yeah. there's, there's no Moose Lake anywhere here. No, Moose Lake's way up by Duluth. Well, there's many Moose Lakes. Yeah. yeah. But there's not right. in the... There's one, yeah. damn one around here. Right, uh, right, right. The cabin itself got relocated to Barnes, Wisconsin. Huh. Okay. Little left down. Yeah. The Edina Police Station is where they filmed all of their police interiors. Uh, the police station's still there, but it looks different. Sure. Hmm. The Carlton Celebrity Room... Which yeah. is where mm-hmm. they had their, like... Jose scene, Feliciano. Who was actually Jose Feliciano. Yeah, okay. I uh, was a real place in Bloomington, but that's not where they filmed. Because it had been closed down for ten years. Hmm. They filmed at the Chanhassen Dinner Theater. Oh, oh been there! That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the Ransom Drop. I said I would quiz you on which street in Minneapolis you think those oh. parking garages are at. It is a numbered street. Yeah, it's somewhere like 6th or 5th or something like Go that. Go the other direction. It's 8th. Eighth. It's eighth. I was going to yeah, say 8th. Uh, did I say close. the Dayton's Ramp? You did say the Dayton's Ramp. That's on 8th. There you go. Good job. <laughs> I called that. Uh, the scenes in the Lundegaard's Kitchen were shot in a house on Pillsbury Avenue. South Minneapolis. South Minneapolis. Uh, the house where they were describing the funny looking little guy mm-hmm. is in Halleck in northwest Minnesota. Oh, that's way up north. Well, they yep. saved a lot of money. Yeah. At the same time they went to Penn Office. Yeah. Yeah. The motel outside of Bismarck where they catch Jerry is in Forest Lake. Good. It's the Hitching Post Motel, which we've probably never been to because we don't have to go to a motel in Forest Lake. But it's probably on Highway 61. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. None of the filming was done in Fargo, but the wood chipper prop is in the Fargo-Moorhead Convention and Visitors Bureau. And Brainerd was invaded by shovel-toting moviegoers looking for the money that was buried in the snow. it was never found. Because it was never found. And people don't know the difference between fiction and reality? Yeah, basically. Oh, dear. This is not based on a true story. Even though it said it was. It said it was. This is not the only movie that presents itself as a true... Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is another very good example of, (laughs) this is a true story. But it's not. Because... They think that we're in middle school and we're telling spooky stories around the campfire. That's what movies are, yes. They just have higher budgets. <laughs> the, well, well, then where's my s'more? And, and professional screenwriters, yeah. not just, you the, know. Eighth graders? The eighth accent eighth used eighth in this film is purposefully exaggerated just to bother us. Just for comedic which, effect. yes. Mm-hmm. Kind of works. And is the Northern City's vowel shift, which has an extensive Wikipedia page. In case you want to know how to talk like Minnesotans, don't you know? And then you can say, Ufta you betcha, and then we can, you know, just for, pretend oh, that you didn't sake, say that and walk away from you. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll write a strongly worded letter to the press, don't you know? Screw it. I did mention that I would talk about the snowplow at the end. You yes, did. there was Be, a snowplow. Because I went to, I was digging for what TV show that Bruce Campbell was in. I was looking for an actual, like, source number for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found that that snowplow wasn't supposed to be there. 
they had put up signs saying, we're shooting a movie. Don't drive here. And the snowplow was like, my job is to plow the snow. And just kept driving. (laughs) Plowing. (laughs) I thought it was very appropriate. It was. (laughs) I I think that that was a very, very good happenstance. And it was a a crane shot. So you got a good view of the plow. And because now I'm in IMDb on trivia and I'm doing dad's job for him. Mm -hmm. A fact that... I appreciate from a meta perspective, there's a point in the movie where Steve Buscemi says, 30 minutes and we'll wrap this up. The movie goes for exactly 30 more minutes. And I appreciate that because of all of the stupid action movies with their ticking times. Uh Yeah. Uh Or the 30 mile runway in Fast and Furious 7. Uh There's a lot of little things in there, like little nods to things like the Prince logo at the end. Dad, had Dad walked away for that? He was... Victim, victim, yeah, victim heard, in the Snow yeah. was credited as Prince symbol. And it definitely was not it was, Prince. Oh, it's definitely but, not Prince. Anyone have anything they want to say positively about the portrayal of Minnesota in this film? Besides no. the fact that Brainerd is not between the Twin Cities and Fargo, and 35E doesn't go there or Fargo? It was <laughs> snowy and realistic in that regard. Because <laughs> it was real snow. Well, they also had it look like it was flat going up to Brainerd, and it's really not. It's flat when you get yeah. out toward Fargo. Which, or, yeah, over I mean, yeah. northwest. But it's not flat between the Twin Cities and Brainerd. It's forested. But, yeah. you know, so be it. we're from here, so that's what we do. Uh, well, we're supposed to talk about other things. I guess maybe. this is negative, but you don't go. You don't talk about going up to Brainerd from Fargo. That's no. true. And you don't talk to... Talk in the same vein, about going up to Brainerd. Well, they the said they place. were going up to Mille Lacs. Up to Mille Lacs, that was yeah. it. Up to Mille Lacs. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you're Which in the cities, from, you may. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I'd like to say, yeah. uh, just that being the father of the aforementioned two uh, natives yeah. in Fargo, I thought that uh, Fargo was, when I was there in, the, in that time, of course, this might have something to do with hard work and studying, you know, but I thought that Fargo was probably the armpit of the universe. But that's not true. To be fair, Fargo. Just, just yeah. Me, okay. Just me, because Fargo is a good deal more cosmopolitan than a couple of other places that I have frequented and paid taxes on and in. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm sorry for my remark. Yeah. <laughs> I was wrong. Yeah. In this movie, Fargo's where they meet criminals. So oh. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they were agreeing with your earlier sentiment. <laughs> Well, Fargo no, is... they just didn't know what they were doing. Exactly. Fargo is the city in North Dakota with the highest population. It is. I I know we are ragging on this movie. Siskel and Ebert said it was their favorite movie of the year. Then again, these jo- these jokes were for them, not for us. That's Correct. right, and they're Easterners, so they right. Yeah. right, right. So it was, it was a lot more humorous to people not living around here. Yeah. It wasn't particularly and, humorous. And I've seen movies that are about... Things that I associate with and are funny. Yeah. I've seen movies that do nerd humor correctly because that's most of what I do. I've also seen movies that do it very, very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. And this, I wouldn't say this one is very bad. I think that it sets out to do what it wants to do and it does it very well. I think so, yeah. And it's not offensive in the same way that the movie that shall not be named was offensive to our sensibilities. I, I would say that you're right. You're very accurate. It's it's well done for what they were seeking to do. It's not my favorite kind of movie. No. Well, uh, you know, so I wouldn't buy it. 
for Speaking instance. Speaking of things of what they were trying to do, how much money did they? Oh, they got like ten times their budget back. Yeah, no, this was wildly successful. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was nominated for best picture. So, I, when when it's time, I do have a, a trivial nugget. That do you want to do, do that before, or after we talk about awards? Talk about awards. All right. So, the one that we are slapping on this bad boy for what it won for is best screenplay. What do we think about the words? I will note, this was not exactly going up against heavy hitters this year. Well, like I said, I think they did what they wanted to do, and in that respect, it, it was well done. Yeah. There were times when there was some run-on dialogue, or when the, you know, the two ne'er-do-well bad guys were in the car conversation, that it seemed almost quintessential Minnesotan. It was as if the Cohen brothers had jumped in the back seat of somebody's car and listened to somebody blather on and they just took notes. Yeah. <laughs> and and the and the and the, the the way that Steve Buscemi's character was going around and around and saying the same thing, but saying it over and over again with a few Four different ways. And and yeah. then it Well William H. Macy was doing that too. Oh yeah. Right. Like, they right. they did a good job of writing people that were like classic Minnesota. Not current era because right. we've had a lot of influx of sure. other cultures mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things have gotten different but that's mm-hmm. a different story i mm-hmm. uh, one of the facts that i looked up that's related to the screenplay is uh william h macy did very little ad-libbing stuttering that he did was written in the script hmm. Hmm. so they planned that's his character that way okay so interesting there uh the only movie out of the five besides this one that i recognize is jerry Maguire. In the adapted screenplay, we're looking at. Well, I mean, there was a Hamlet, with, so with um, that was the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet was this year. For and that screenplay, that was, was nominated yeah. for, for screenplay based on based work on of another movie. medium. because yeah. you can't take credit for Hamlet anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. this was this was not really a year of heavy hitters in mm-hmm. the narrative screenplay category. I don't know if it would have done worse in a different year, but it did good this year. First bonus. Art direction. What do we think about their set design and overall display of places and things? Well, I think once you've seen a blizzard, you've seen them all. It seemed rather yeah. average to me. Well, the I uh, that's more for cinematography, choosing location. Yeah. Uh, art design is going to be for how do they decorate the houses and the rooms and things like that. And it was fine. I it, it felt like you were sitting in, in somebody's house. Yeah. It seemed very yeah. They had very usual, and maybe same, that makes it good. That, uh, something that we probably didn't notice, but fact, the trivia had there's a lot of pigs in the uh, Lundgaard house. They were all over the kitchen counter. Yep. They're, Which, they're all different kinds of ceramic cookie jars. Yep. Yeah. And he had a million golf trophies in his office. Yeah. Which also, based on what we've seen of Grandma's house. Seems kind of normal. No, candy. he had more. Of course, he had wooden ones and tro- and trophy yeah. shop ones. Mm-hmm. But not even nominated. I don't think that's well because gonna... I, I think it seemed over the top then. Yeah. Oh man. Oh. The, oh man. The Leonardo DiCaprio Romeo and Juliet was also this year. We had Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. They were both in for art direction. I think that's not surprising. Right. Right. So no surprises there. Best actor. So, who was our main actor in this one? Good question. 
no one is credited as you know no one got in a nomination for best actor mm-hmm. because William H Macy was a supporting actor and if he's a supporting actor who is your main actor right Steve Buscemi mm, yeah no not really. Yeah, not really there really wasn't a main really actor in this wasn't. one yeah. yeah so sadness no one can really take that home right. uh, luckily our third category is best supporting actor so we get to talk about William H Macy who was nominated but lost out to Cuba Gooding Jr. in Jerry Maguire. So good on Cuba Gooding Jr. I can't remember his character in that film. Neither can I, because I haven't seen it for a while. Yeah, it's been a long time. But, I don't know. I think he did a very good job of playing... Remember Three Days Later, that movie where Liam Neeson is bad at breaking Mm -hmm. into prisons? Mm -hmm. And how he just acted like he was really bad at breaking into prisons all the time? Mm Mm-hmm. This is a very similar movie where he's playing a guy who's very bad at the thing he's trying to do. And he's just trying to act like everything's fine. He's very bad at trying to steal money. Yes. And make it look like it's somebody else's fault. Yeah. And get everyone else to pay for it so he can go play golf. And I thought his Minnesota accent was about as good as anybody's. It wasn't great. It wasn't too over the top. It wasn't too over the top. Like his wife's was ridiculous. Way over the top. She sounded like she was going to just... Yeah. <laughs> she, was trying too hard. she was trying too hard. Yeah. But I, I support him being nominated for this at mm-hmm. bare minimum. Uh, President McDormand, of course, did win for Best Lead Actress, so good on her for being credited like as Best a lead. Actress or, Act, or Best Actress? Best Actress. Yeah. Oh, wow. They gave her Best Actress for this one. Well, I mean, she, she, she did was, a lot of work. She was the only actress that did a lot of work. She did a lot of work in this movie. Uh, apparently, she uh, shadowed a pregnant cop to practice for the role. Huh. huh. But that's our categories because we unfortunately skipped best actor because oh. there wasn't any. Yeah. Yeah. A little yeah. disappointing there. But oh, well. I hadn't seen Fargo before. I had successfully avoided it. Yeah. I guess it's good that I've seen it, but if anything, I think this informs all of those times at Philmont where we said we were from Minnesota and people immediately said, Ufta Yubecha. Sure. And it just bothered us to no end. Or when I went to Grinnell and people from California legitimately thought everyone in Minnesota lived in igloos. <laughs> I think I understand where they're coming from. <laughs> well, they take their information from fiction. Then yeah. That's what they get. So do you have your well, trivia? Well, like thing? I said, many, many, many years ago, you heard this. So uh, a tidbit about Peter Stormare. Yeah. Who was the blonde, really nasty dude. Yeah. He's Swedish. Yeah. Born in Sweden. And... He was uh, associate artistic director at the Tokyo Globe Theater and directed productions of many Shakespeare plays, including mm-hmm. Hamlet. Now, he's a darn good actor. And I thought, And he's another one that wow. <laughs> I think misses out on acting opportunities because of the way he looks and acts. Yeah. And if he just looked a little more traditional, then he could get a lot more roles. But he's got a Swedish accent and he looks like he kills people. And so he gets all of those roles, and he's amazing at them. Yeah, yeah, pretty interesting. I mean, it, it seems like, oh, wow, this this would be a guy to kind of get some information about, like, he, he probably is really good. Yeah. Because he's done lots and lots of work. Yeah. Well, this is why we watch movies that we wouldn't necessarily pull off the shelf. Yep. Because we want to learn things. All right. We want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. Bye. 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 Night.